Think what it'll be like when we put on our new bodies, when we go into heaven. <laughs> okay, so I'm Jim Eikenberry, and you are my church family. And um, as we are entering this brave new world, if I'm not doing the microphone right um, or something, let me know, Justin or whoever. I guess I'll look to Justin to be my authority on that. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. I'm going to be using the New International Version. Today we are going to think about seeing clearly. Seeing clearly is an important theme in our scripture today. And in fact, it is important in the whole gospel of Mark. Understanding who Jesus is and understanding his mission, his kingdom, and his ways. Mark 8 22 through 26, shares an event that is reported only here, not in the other Gospels. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him and heal him. Jesus took the blind man aside, laid his hands on the man, and then asked the man if he could see anything. And the man said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So Jesus laid his hands on the man a second time. Then the man's eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he could see clearly. Mark places this story here as a prophetic picture. Not that the report is not true. But sometimes the Bible reports events as a prophetic picture pointing to a greater truth. Mark does that more than once in this gospel. The larger truth here is seeing Jesus, but not seeing him clearly. And you're going to see that as we look through these scriptures today. Not really understanding his character, his mission and what it means to follow him. This will continue all the way through Mark 9. Immediately after the account of the blind man, Jesus asks his disciples in verses 27 to 30 who they think he is. His disciples have been hearing Jesus teach and have been seeing him do miracles, casting out demons, healing people, calming the storm, raising the dead, multiplying food to feed the multitudes, walking on water, etc. In verse 27, Jesus says, who do people say I am? That's kind of safe. The disciples gave several answers. Verse 28, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Then in verse 29, Jesus says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter immediately pipes up and says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Peter sees it. He declares it. Okay, so with this established, Jesus immediately in verses 31 to 32 begins to teach them what it means for him to be the Messiah. 
it is not what his disciples expected. Rather than being a military hero who would defeat the Romans, Jesus says in verse 31, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He must be killed and after three days, rise again. Well, this teaching so was so disturbing to the disciples that Peter rebuked Jesus. Now, now sit with that a moment. Peter believes Jesus is the Messiah, but Peter thought that he had to rebuke Jesus and tell him how to do it. What's wrong with this picture? Peter saw, but not clearly. Starting in verse 34, then he called, as Jesus called the whole crowd to him, to himself, along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? For what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. Friends, not only is Jesus saying that he must be killed, but that for us to be his disciples, we must let ourselves be killed also. Say what? <laughs> this is huge. But then Jesus goes on the very same message. However, our Bible puts the next verse in chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. Now, I have heard people use this passage to say that Jesus was mistaken about when he would return to establish his kingdom. No, no, no. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all place this prediction just before the transfiguration. At the transfiguration, which we will read here, Peter, James, and John saw the kingdom of God come with power. Read with me in, in starting chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us 
put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then verse 6 says, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. In verses 9 to 13, as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus spoke to Peter, James, and John again about his suffering, his rejection, and his resurrection. They didn't get it. They, they saw, but they didn't see clearly. Now, notice this. In one sense, when they saw Jesus transfigured, they really saw him. But in another sense, seeing Jesus in glory blinded their eyes, their understanding. Because, you see, it reinforced their wrong thinking. That Jesus, that for Jesus to be the Messiah, it meant that Jesus was about, with, was going to come with great power. He was, and he was going to set up his kingdom by force over his enemies. Well, Jesus has that glory and power. But he's trying to tell them, that's not what my mission is about. There's not time for us to look at verses 14 through 29, where Jesus casts out a demon that the disciples could not cast out. But at the close of that scene, immediately after that, in verses 30 to 32, Jesus takes his disciples aside so that he can focus on them and they can be, can be avoid distractions in listening to him so that he can teach them about how he is going to be betrayed, killed, but then rise again. They still don't understand. They are not seeing clearly. What's worse, even while Jesus is talking with them, has taken them aside to explain all this to them, they are arguing among themselves about which of them is the greatest. They really were not seeing clearly. <clears throat> not only are they not seeing Jesus clearly, they are not seeing clearly what Jesus' mission means for the way they should be relating to one another. They are not seeing themselves clearly. Jesus said then in verse 35, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Brothers and sisters, we are here to worship, either in this room or remotely through live simulcast. We are here because Jesus has touched us and we have seen and believe that Jesus is our Savior and Lord. But do we see clearly? It is so easy not to see clearly. 
Oh, friends, I have made so many mistakes in my life and did not see it at the time. COVID-19 is exposing things. Things that were buried and unseen, maybe just below the surface, but now they are coming to light. For example, under the stress, some marriages are growing stronger, but others are facing challenges, and some may be experiencing both at the same time. Most of us are experiencing some ups and downs. It is not a shameful thing for us to discover that we have some things we need to work on in our marriage. It is a blessing to discover it. It is an honor to admit it. Marriage is some of the best advice I have ever heard on marriage. And in August, it'll be 47 years for Sue and me. Marriages are like a house or a car. If we do not give them regular maintenance, things will start to break down and fall apart. That's just the way it is. Another example. A few weeks ago, some of us Netzer pastors in the region were meeting by Zoom, of course. What else these days? We gathered, we gathered together so that we could discern what God was showing us. For many of us, as our congregations are beginning to gather again, some of our members think that the COVID thing is way overblown and not a big issue. Others believe that the congregation needs to take safety precautions as it reopens. But the alarming thing is that many were reporting that the two groups were not treating each other very kindly. And I've been hearing similar reports coming in from throughout the country. On a massive scale, at least for us American Christians, we seem to be having a problem with submitting to one another, as Paul instructed in Ephesians 5.21. We are demanding what we want and casting love aside. We are ignoring the many one another passages in the New Testament, like serve one another, honor one another, prefer one another, forbear one another, etc. There's a lot of them. Does it sound like maybe the way we are arguing about who is correct and the way we are treating each other? Are we maybe at root really arguing about who of us is the greatest? We have seen Jesus but are we seeing him clearly? As we feel that things are out of control, God is unmasking heart sickness in us. Friends, we need to do business with God and let him search us and shape us into the pure, spotless bride of Christ ready for Jesus' coming. I have a feeling 
a time will come when we will look back at this time and we will thank God because we needed to go through this. Friends, take courage. If we really want to see clearly, if we really want to live in a way worthy of our Savior, if we ask God to help us see, and we intend, this is huge, we intend to act on the truth that he shows us, he will. He will show us. He will help us see clearly. God knows that life in this current world is not easy for us. Friends, life in this world is a good gift, but it is not an easy gift. Life in this current world is necessary for God to shape us into the beautiful beings that God designed us to be, who have the character of Jesus. You and I are currently living the shortest part of our lives. You and I are being shaped for eternity, forever. So if we want to see clearly, what can we do? Well, first of all, <laughs> we need to be aware that we may not and probably do not yet see everything clearly. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Friends, in light of the fact that we don't always see things clearly, a great deal of humility and teachableness are in order, both before God and before other people. Secondly, we need to walk closely with Jesus, not just sometimes, all the time, every moment. Thirdly, we need to process life with him. That is to say, we need to do our lives with Jesus, talk with him, discuss matters with him, ask his opinion in real time. He is our brother. He is our best friend. And then we need to reflect on the events of our lives with him afterwards. Fourthly, we need to let Jesus teach us. We need to trust him. We need to follow his instructions so that he can develop us as his disciple. If we are serious about letting Jesus teach us, it goes without saying, which means I need to say it probably, <laughs> that we need to study God's word and meet with God in his word and let him show us our lives reflected back to us through his word. And we need to study God's word with others who love Jesus because we all have areas where we do not see clearly. 
But the good news is we do not all have the same blind spots. So we can help each other. In fact, friends, that is part of God's plan. So similarly, fifthly, we need to welcome our brothers and sisters giving us what at the time feels like negative feedback to correct us. We may not always end up agreeing with their feedback, but let's at least listen carefully and non-defensively and then think and pray about it. Friends, we need that feedback. It is our protection. It is our opportunity to overcome blind spots. So react to those who bring you criticism in such a way that they won't be afraid to share such correction with you in the future. Friends, this process of correcting one another is part of God's plan. Our Heavenly Father has set it up this way. Search the scriptures. See if what I'm saying is not true. It gives us an opportunity and it requires us to humble ourselves before one another. The worship team may come back forward for our closing worship. Friends, here is the good news. God loves us. Thank you. And God is faithful. God knows what he is doing. Listen to this. God has a plan. It is made to work. (laughs) And it is made to work with people like you and me. Not just with the super saints. God is developing us. God is invested in us. He has already paid the highest price for us. The blood of his son, Messiah Jesus. God is not going to let go of us now. The other side of that, which may sound like bad news, but it really is good news, is that our father knows how to discipline wayward children. So why not cooperate with his instruction instead of doing it the hard way (laughs) and bringing pain on yourself and on others in the process? The Holy Spirit will encourage us and come alongside us to help us. Friends, it won't always feel good. Let's get over that right now. Sometimes it will feel like we are denying ourselves and literally being crucified. Yep, (laughs) Jesus said it would, that it would be that way. But what is the advantage of taking the most comfortable path if in the process we forsake becoming the kind of people God designed us to be? In other words, we end up losing ourselves. God knows. God knows how to get us where we need to be. Now, we've already seen the disciples could not see clearly. They weren't getting it. Even though Jesus was explaining it specifically, they they weren't getting it. But notice this, except for Judas, Jesus brought all of the others around to the place where they finally saw clearly. 
Friends, Jesus will touch us. It's like the, he touched the blind man again. He will touch us again and again and again and again and again and again, however many times we need it to help us see clearly. God sees in you and me the treasure that he has designed us to be. God believes in us. He believes in what he can do in us. We are not garbage, and he is not planning to throw us out. So hang in there for the ride and do everything you can to cooperate with him. Amen.